Top Chat with Chris Sladesky. Hello there, Chris, and I'm going to try this surname, Sladesky. Sladesky. Thank you very much for your time this evening to Top Chat with Totus Tours, and I'm going to let everyone into the... You'll realise it's not a secret by when I start questioning, but I don't know anything more about what Chris is going to talk about than you do listening. We're in Walsingham at the Youth 2000 Summer Festival and heading up towards the tent, I eavesdropped and heard Chris saying that he'd raised a whole lot of money for Mary's Meals and I remember hearing about a bike ride. So I, must, I think he's the fellow that bike rode a long way and raised lots of money. But let's hear from Chris. The only other thing I know about Chris is he's Polish. With a long beard, yes. <laughs> well, so... Yes, I did cycle a long way, 2,081 miles. I flew to Palermo in Sicily and cycled all the way back to Southampton, where I live, through Rome and Assisi, which was my pilgrimage to St. Francis. And the bike ride was called the Francis's Tour. And, well, we fundraised £4,117 at the moment. And it started in 2012 where I was confirmed in St. Edmund Church in Southampton and I decided to do a pilgrimage to Assisi. So that was my main goal, but I couldn't do it in 2012, so I postponed the bike in 2013. But in Balam last year, 2013, I met Deborah Rook. She was a fellow cyclist from West End and she asked me if she could join me on my bike ride. So I said yes. I was afraid of Alps anyway. She was a science teacher, so she probably could save my life over there. But yeah, so we started planning the bike ride for June 2013. But unfortunately, she cycled to Walsingham, where we are at the moment, in a shrine. And just about 10 miles away from here, on the way back, she was hit by a car. And, by and car. yes, she passed away. Oh and the bench goodness. we're sitting on is in her memory. Oh my goodness, what an yes. extraordinary story. Yes, so... So she died this last year as well? 2013, yes. Yes, in April 2013, on 13th of April, yes. And she was involved with Youth 2000? Uh, yes, she, she was a convert, uh, the only Catholic from the family, at the age of 31. And yes, we met on Youth 2000 retreat and she was supporting Mary's Meals. So at that time I was supporting CAFOD. I was doing lots of charity fundraising for CAFOD. But yes, um, so yeah, so when when accident happened, I decided not to do the bike ride at all. I decided to give up completely. Yeah. Her parents and brother, they got rid of all the bicycles. They, they said they're never gonna cycle again. They were cycling family, were they? Yeah. No, they were just cycling as a leisure, but she was cycling touring and going on holidays, cycling holidays, uh, so yeah, so cycling was sort of her passion. And yeah, so I decided not to cycle at all, just give up on this pilgrimage. And yes, by the end of the year, I just sort of, the thought came back to me that I should really do that. And now it's almost like God gave me this sort of message of, you should do this, actually, you should go back into it, do it in her memory and fundries for the charity she supported. So, yeah, so I kind of like started planning and yes. Yeah, so what a remarkable story. So on 22nd of June, I flew to Palermo. To and see. why did you choose Palermo to start with? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> the idea was to cycle, as I said, that was my pilgrimage to Assisi. So I wanted to get from Southampton to Assisi. When I met Debbie, she came up with the idea of maybe cycling to Assisi and Rome because Pope Francis was elected as a Pope. A little bit of Assisi in Rome. Yes, because of that was two Francis's. Yeah, yeah. My patron Francis and Pope Francis. So the Francis's to name, it was actually her name. She came up with this name. She called her bike Francis as well. So it was like fruit of her Francis. <laughs> so I think it was bike or tent. So it might have been a tent actually. <laughs> I remember I was laughing for the email of that. So then how did Palermo come into it? Well, I looked at the map and I just thought, well, it's very difficult to cycle somewhere and then fly with a bicycle back because you have to yeah. disassemble a bike and find a box. So I started planning flying to Rome and cycling backwards. But then I looked at the south of Italy and I was like, what about the south? So I decided to fly basically at the end of Italy and cycle and as fast walk, as possible. All the way back. Yeah, so I had five weeks to do it, so I had to do it as fast as possible. Five weeks because of work? You could yes, only get... yes, I had to. I was racing to work basically. I was racing against time. Oh my goodness. So when you got back, did you have a day off before work started? Yes, I finished on 23rd of July, which was actually my 30th birthday. So, yeah. Uh, was that intentional? Have uh, you worked out that I didn't plan that. I planned to have a day off on my birthday. I was intending to come back on Friday, mainly because of the logistics, because of the ferry. But yes, I just decided I woke up on my birthday on Wednesday and I thought, no, nope, I'm going to do what I, what I like doing. So I carried on cycling and I cycled 84 miles on my birthday. Got to Southampton about half past ten on the evening to St Edmund's Church where I was greeted by Monsignor Vincent Harvey and other parishioners who actually waited for me. They stayed in touch, sort of. <laughs> what a remarkable yeah. journey. So, from Palermo, you, my geography's being shown up, you got to Rome before you went to Assisi? Yes, yes. I stayed by West Coast. From Palermo I moved to Messina. Then from Messina I stayed by the west coast towards Rome, then towards Assisi, San Marino, then from San Marino I moved, I cycled towards Verona, through Alps, and then Paralemonial. Wow! Yeah, and, and then from there I moved towards Paris, and then Cherbourg. Was there something going on in Paralemonial when you got there? Uh, no, no, no. Too no. early for the summer festival. Yes, it was a bit too early, but that was just a suggestion. I was, when I was planning my route, I was asking people, sort of like, where should I go? So people were giving me options, and yeah, a friend of mine, she pointed out Paralemonial as sort of good destination, so why not? <laughs> and was there anyone on your route who was expecting you? Did you have anyone that had a lovely hot meal and a warm bed waiting for you, or was it all very Spartan and a real pilgrimage? It was very Spartan and real pilgrimage. There was nobody expecting me and I knew people on the way but I haven't arranged anything. Well, I was trying but it was very difficult. I know a few priests in Rome and obviously they, it was summer holiday so they, they went to different countries to replace other priests and yeah, that didn't work out. But then, yeah, anywhere else I pretty much didn't know anyone so stayed camping. <laughs> But I met some amazing people that sort of hosted me. So out of 31 nights, I slept eight nights in a bed. Or well, eight nights of people you'd never met until you bicycled? I didn't know anyone the whole way. Yeah. But, yeah. Gosh. 
And what most surprised you about the trip? Was it harder than you thought it would be, or what were you least expecting about your pilgrimage? Well, south of Italy, actually, lots of people were saying that I shouldn't be going there because it's dangerous, because of mafia and all those sort of rumours. I know a few people from south of Italy, Calabria, and they were saying, like, yeah, you shouldn't be cycling through those places. But I found people most generous over there. And I had a letter written in Italian and French, because I didn't speak any of the languages. So I had three books, pretty much. Well, four. I had Biography of San Francis of Assisi, which I didn't manage to even read. Last time I read it was in Gatwick Airport, and then I didn't have time, (laughs) or I was just too tired. Two dictionaries, Italian and French, and a Bible. (laughs) So, yeah, I didn't use Italian and French dictionary pretty much at all. No time to sit and sort of research anything. But I had those letters, and people were really intrigued by my beard. That was a sort of like ice-breaking point. Ah, just for those of you who are listening and not seeing as well... Chris has a very beautiful beard that would be worthy of a Franciscan friar of the renewal, I think, probably. But I assume that had happened on your bike trip, but it happened before the bike trip. Yes, beard started growing before that, yes. <laughs> and what's under the cap? Is it very short hair? It is, yes. Uh, very, very Franciscan. Very Franciscan. <laughs> very CFR, yes. <laughs> so the beard got conversation going? Yes, because uh, nobody grows beards over there, it's so hot. It was 30 degrees in the shade. So and that didn't make you want to shave it off? No, surprisingly not. The breeze while cycling was sort of cooling <laughs> me down a bit, so that was, that was really good. No, but yeah, it, when I went to the shops, people would usually start talking about the beard. And then they were intrigued where I'm going, because obviously, seeing some of the beard was unusual. They would see my bicycle, my dirty clothes, because I, I had only two pairs of trousers. <laughs> For five weeks. And did you did you have something saying Mary's Meals anywhere? Yes. Uh, I had a Mary's Meal t-shirt. One of the ladies from the church, she made a flag as well. So I had a flag on the back of the bicycle and the map. Some other friends, she made a map of the whole tour with all the sort of holy places I was going through. And even on the letter it said that I was fundraising. So, and that was the most remarkable thing, that people in the shops, I would pick up items I needed and then we would start conversation with the shop clerk and they would give me food for free. Oh, it's, that's so wonderful yeah. to hear. Oh, it's so amazing. You know, people on the street or on the camping sites, they would just sort of approach me and sort of ask where I'm going, where am I traveling, and they would just give me money. So I, I set up there without any intentions of collecting money on the way and came back with, well, all the food I ate, plus almost 100 euros. So that was really amazing. I was donations on the way. So it was really amazing. And this is a very mundane question, but what did you eat every day? Whatever I could. <laughs> Mainly because I had to consume around 4,000 calories. That's my rough calculation. So it might have been even more. Well, did you have a big breakfast? On the beginning, I tried cooking porridge. But then when I ran out of porridge, I had to stop that. There was no porridge in Italy. <laughs> So I moved towards polenta, but it wasn't that tasty, even with raisins. <laughs> so I moved towards bread and chocolate spread. And, and that, that was that was mainly breakfast, just sort of like, not much, but just sort of 
high in calories and sugar. And did you have to get up at a certain time in the morning? Every day at six o'clock in the morning. Every day at six o'clock. And I was on the way, well, after I ran out of porridge, so I didn't have to cook. So seven o'clock was usually the time I was actually starting cycling and finishing about three o'clock in the afternoon, four. And would you stop to eat during that period or you'd wait until you'd finished cycling? No, I, I would stop and eat. I usually had my second breakfast at nine o'clock in the morning. So usually I roughly about 20 miles into the way. So that would be my second breakfast. So your average, was it 80 miles a day? What did I hear? Uh, that was 77. I averaged 77 miles a day, which roughly accounts for seven hours, 24 minutes of cycling each day and that continuous cycling, not don't that's without stopping, resting or anything like that. From my calculations, it looks like I've been on the move about 11 and a half hours each day. Yeah. Now I've got a sneaky feeling that it's given you a desire to do something like this again. Oh yes, that, that wasn't the first one. In 2011 I cycled from Lanzan to Jonah Groads. Okay. That was the very first one, but yeah. But I definitely want to do a bit more cycling. Maybe one day with a family, but yes. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'll be yeah, despite the beard, I'm not planning to become a Franciscan player. <laughs> well, I have no official capacity with Mary's Meals, but they're my favourite charity, and the work they do is so impressive. And the way pretty much every penny that you give gets to the child, and the way that the whole thing works. It's so much more than a bowl of porridge that you're providing for the child because the child needs to be in a school to get the porridge. So you're, they're going to school to get the porridge. It's, it's amazing and wonderful and fabulous. But sort of on their behalf, I'm sure they're thanking you anyway. Oh, yes. Thank you for that fabulous, amazing, wondrous thing you've done for them. 4,000... 4,117 pounds at the moment. Gosh. And 10 pounds used to, I think it might have gone up slightly, would feed a child for a year. £12.20. £12.20. Yes. So how many children is that then? Uh, at the moment, the target was yes. 100 children, which is £1,220. We went over that. Yes. So at the moment we stand at 339 children, which equals to 339% of the target, yes. So. Many, many congratulations. Thank you. And I look forward to hearing about the next project you get up to. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. Take us to us for the most tip-top, top, top chats.